Hi, Shannon Waller, and welcome to the Team Success Podcast. Today, what we're going to talk about is our third episode in our mini-series about multiplication by subtraction. I'm excited because this is one of my very, very favorite parts of the book, Multiplication by Subtraction, How to Gracefully Let Go of Wrong Fit Team Members, because today we're going to talk about the symptoms and the results of really wrong fit team members. So if you think about it, These are the different ways that wrong fit team members manifest themselves. Sometimes it can be really, really hard to discern, well, sometimes they're okay, sometimes they're not. So as I go through this list, and it is a list, I want you to check off in your mind anyone you're currently working with, someone that you may have worked with in the past, and just see what's relevant. And if you start to see one or two, you might be able to tolerate that, but you'll start to know some clusters, three or four or five, six things, and then you're like, okay, these are clues that I need to take action. These are clues that I need to do something and perhaps need to subtract in order to multiply the results in your organization. So let's jump right into the various symptoms. Well, one of the obvious ones is what I call malaise or being disengaged. And this is when they're not excited by their work, where the company's going, or anything else. They just show up. They don't put much effort or creativity into what they do and produce only enough to get by. So this is really kind of frustrating because if you're really intending to run a successful entrepreneurial organization, you need results that are fast and effective and creative, and just getting by is really minimum standard. That strategic coach, we have a model of unique ability. In the center is unique ability, and around that, you know, in terms of abilities, you can be excellent. Other activities, you're competent, and other activities at which you're actually incompetent, which our definition is that you put in the time and effort and you do not get the results. <laughs> or you procrastinate about it so long that it becomes a mess. That's another good example of an incompetent ability. And people like this are really in the competent area, and they could be better, but they're unwilling to put the effort in. They're disengaged. While the result of this is mediocrity. The rest of the team feels like this person is dragging them down, and they'll actually start to bypass this individual. And this is a really big clue. And trust me, I know somewhere in your work experience, you have bypassed a particular individual because it was actually hard to get work done through them or with them than it was to actually go around and find another route. So that's a really big clue. And if your team is starting to bypass people, which means that person is not doing work, then they get pretty expensive on your team. And just to go back to that competent model, I think not only do individuals have incompetent, competent, unique, and excellent abilities, but also companies do. And to be successful, entrepreneurial organizations, I think, need to be focused in on excellence and uniqueness. That's really how you're going to win. That's how you're going to have an advantage. Big companies can survive with excellent and competent, usually not room for incompetent and not room for unique either, because you're different. You're not going to follow the rules. So if you really want to be in the center of that circle, you need to really pay attention to people who are really actively disengaged. Another issue is when people are oppositional. This is when they're always arguing and they tend to disagree with new innovations and improvements and they put up roadblocks. And what this leads to is friction. And I'm a big (laughs) proponent of getting rid of friction in your organization. I don't want everyone to say yes to everything if they don't mean it. But this kind of friction just gets in the way and slows things down. So this can lead to polarization within the team, slowing down or preventing new improvements from being implemented. The result is a loss of efficiency, morale, productivity, and profit. Very, very expensive. Number three, you'll definitely have experienced this one. They can't keep pace. 
Their ability to learn or execute is just not fast enough. They don't keep up and they slow everyone else down as a result. They may not have the mental horsepower, skills, experience, or intelligence to properly perform in your environment or even maybe just with you. And I was slow to this cognitive intelligence party. (laughs) By that, I mean, at Strategic Coach, we profile for personality. We profile using Colby for striving instincts. And we didn't actually profile for intelligence until relatively recently, last few years. But what I finally discovered is if, if someone has the right Colby profile for the role and they have the right personality for the role and they're not succeeding there's only one thing left, and that is mental horsepower. So that's definitely an issue. And this creates drag. So this can really slow down the team because this person eventually becomes a roadblock to getting things done in a timely manner. They'll get there eventually, but way slower than everyone else. They may feel bad, but are simply unable to mentally speed up. They only have one pace, and it's too slow for what you're looking for. Now, number four on this list can be somewhat entertaining, but also incredibly distracting. I call this the drama queen or the drama king, and I've seen both. This person creates an enormous amount of unnecessary conflict and emotion around small issues and takes everything personally, taking everyone off task. One person that we worked with, most of the time, she'd be fine. But then one thing, she could be in her bonnet, and she would send lengthy, lengthy, lengthy emails to her manager, who then would have to respond in kind, and it was usually something that was blown way out of proportion. It so took her off task and also took our manager's time and attention off task as well. It was a complete drag. (laughs) So as I said, distraction and loss of focus is the result here. So drama is very, very distracting. It wastes the time and mental energy and emotional energy of almost everyone involved. It also diverts people's focus to non-essential issues. We can get sort of seduced sometimes because it's entertaining You know, people have drama about other coworkers. They have drama about customers or clients. They have dramas about their home life. And sometimes they're funny and entertaining, but ultimately it's a distraction. And especially when they involve other people in your office in that drama, it very much takes people off task. The next one is the person who's not willing to be held accountable. And this person actually does not deliver on what they're supposed to. They're also usually an expert at covering their tracks and diverting attention away from themselves. Again, I've experienced all of these, actually. (laughs) It's kind of fun. Funny now, wasn't funny then. You know, if you think of a parking lot at night and you've got the streetlights up there, you know, there's pools of light where the light standards are. But in between that is darkness. And that's kind of where these people live. They live in the shadows (laughs) where there's no spotlight on them. There's no light shone on what they actually were doing or not doing. But it's a little more subtle sometimes, and they're good at covering their tracks, especially to you. And this leads to a loss of momentum. When counted on to deliver key information and results, they'll always have an excuse for why it's not done. So think about excuses that you've heard. These team members take up a disproportionate amount of everyone's time because people end up covering for them. So they may feel loyal. They may think, you know, if you're not noticing them, maybe it's okay. But it really, really wears down the team. That's, again, a very expensive cost over here. The next one is when people are focused on status. And I have to admit, this is a bit of a personal irritant for me. So these people will do whatever they need to do to get ahead so they can forward their own career, often at the company's expense. 
I can tell you stories of when a person was hired, often a very, very senior level. This is one of the things that happens in a leadership role occasionally. And said, yes, I'm here. I've got tons of experience I can bring. I've been in the industry for over 20 years. I'm going to help build this brand and this company. And then the owner who'd brought them on board found out that actually they were creating their own brand, kind of a little bit to the side, marketing to the same people, and totally taking the attention and focus off what he was supposed to be doing because he wanted to elevate his own status. And I've seen people build little kingdoms within organization, and it's totally for their own status and not for the betterment of the company. People who are focused on status lead to politics. It leads to silos. People don't communicate as well. Because they want power and status, they'll take it, and often they're playing their game, not yours. So instead of working as part of a team, they'll put their energy toward building their own power base and reputation. This is energy that needs to be focused on growing their company, not advancing their place in the pecking order. Another symptom is someone who has an entitlement attitude, which we really consider to be the absolute opposite of an entrepreneurial attitude. So this person feels like they're entitled to rights and privileges. They're takers, not givers. They are more focused on their rights than their responsibilities. Often they're a top performer and feel as though they're owed more than what they're getting. So this is the person who's always coming and saying, I think I deserve this. And in comparison to other people, I should be getting more. And it's kind of like, well, are you actually contributing more? What you'll experience here in terms of a result and a cost is resistance. They're hard to satisfy. They won't take one for the team. They're ultimately not team players. And you'll spend a lot of time bargaining with them to get things done because they don't contribute until they know it will be recognized, either in terms of recognition with a title or in terms of pay or some other perk that they think that they're entitled to. Totally different one now is someone who is clueless. And yes, I use this word very intentionally. This is the person who has a lack of awareness about themselves and how they come across or the value of their contribution. Attempts to enlighten them are often met with a lack of comprehension and sometimes resistance. Now, what this creates is a roadblock. So it takes an enormous amount of time to work with this person because they take so long to grasp certain concepts, especially about how they could change. They don't really see that what they're doing is a problem. And it's very challenging to help them make changes in behavior so that they can be more effective. They don't get it or they're not willing to get it. And sometimes it's hard to tell the difference. But often if they thought it was successful 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, they think, why isn't it still successful now? And they're not really open to change. The next one is people who are uncooperative or non-collaborative. And these people are really tough to work with and they're not open to other people's input or suggestions. We had a team leader who we thought was collaborative, who paid lip service to this, would ask for sign-offs, but completely shut down ideas from his team, was not collaborative or cooperative in any way. And some good people almost left as a result of that until we figured out the problem. And also was not open to coaching, <laughs> by the way, because I attempted it. Now, this leads to a stalemate. Projects get stuck and decisions don't get made because they insist on doing things their way. Going against them requires outside intervention, or it's a guaranteed power struggle that sometimes we would rather avoid. The next one, again, one that slightly personally bothers me, is a lack of integrity. And the way that this person thinks, they really think that the end justifies the means, and there is no need to honor their word or live up to expectations. It's kind of a slippery slope. It's a moving target. 
Often they also assume other people don't have integrity or are out to get them, and so they act accordingly, which leads to a total lack of trust and teamwork. So in other words, they don't trust people to do what they said they were going to do because they don't do what they said they were going to do. So they're not trustworthy. Other people don't trust them. They look for when things are going wrong. They look for imperfections. They prefer not to have that light shone on them as well. And this is brutal because trust is the basis of effective teamwork. When someone can't be counted on to look out for others or to do the right thing, it taints the whole team. So please be hyper aware of this one in particular because it can take everyone down. And people with high integrity do not want to be on the same team as someone who does not. The next one, there are articles written about these type of people, is arrogance, aka God's gift to your company. These people think that they're the smartest and most valuable member on the team and do not leave room for contribution from others. They think that others are less important in the bottom line. Consequently, they don't listen and they treat people like objects instead of valued team members. It is not fun to work for a person like this. It is diminishing. You're treated like a cost, not as investment. They do not try to grow people. And they think that everything that they have, they're entitled to. So the cost here, especially for your team, is disempowerment. When one person thinks that they have all the answers, they don't recognize the value of other people's input, disempowering everyone else. The rest of the team doesn't feel valued and may stop contributing. Think about for a moment just how expensive that is. You've got bodies at work. They're putting in the time. They're no longer contributing because they know it won't be listened to. They know that any of their contribution will simply not be valued. And one of the dangers here is that person who is arrogant is often very persuasive, influential, and tells a really good story, especially to you. I see this with team leaders more than team members, but a definite danger. And lastly, although this is the last of my list, and I'm sure you could find lots more, is not adaptable. So your organization is changing, but this person is not changing with it. They're a relic of your legacy, and the team is increasingly having to work around them. You can see how some of these tie together. Could tie in with clueless, (laughs) could tie in with not accountable. There's certain patterns that may be emerging for you here. And this leads to resentment. As your right foot team aligns around your bigger future, this person increasingly stands out as a burden that everyone else must carry. In a future podcast, I'm going to talk about some common scenarios, and one of them is a legacy team member. I'm also going to talk about the level of difficulty of dealing with it, and this, frankly, is one of the most challenging. So as I've gone through this list of the 12 things, of the symptoms and the results and costs, I don't know if different people's names have come to mind for you or perhaps someone currently, but pay attention. And especially if you can check off more than one, that is a massive clue that there is a need to take action. So I hope you found this list interesting, perhaps a little bit unsettling, but starting here, it's page 34 and 35 of Multiplication by Subtraction is a great place to start to know whether or not you need to subtract in order to multiply. Thanks very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please let us know at questions at strategiccoach.com. And as always, here's to your team's success. Hi, Shannon here, and thank you very much for listening. If you like what you heard today, please take a moment to rate the Team Success Podcast on iTunes. And we'd love it if you'd share the podcast with anyone else who could benefit. If you're interested in learning more about the Strategic Coach program for entrepreneurs, visit us at strategiccoach.com or the Strategic Coach channel on YouTube. 
For free downloads and more team success strategies, visit teamsuccesshandbook.com. Thank you.